Kimberly here. This is Macabish, cults, classics, and horrors. We're talking films, series, books, and life, and we're starting right now. But usually they know. Like, literally, we had, uh, we had a couple years back, may this man rest in peace. We wasn't the best of friends. I mean, when he wasn't doing anything harmful to himself or like he wasn't doing what he loved to do but I'm saying this much I could not believe it when I actually read it on Facebook at one point in time there there was a man by the name of Herbert Blevins he was literally laid down up here at Paintsville Golf Course face Mm -hmm. down in a pond he was brutally murdered, literally. Now, I don't know if they closed that case or they already solved it. Me, personally, I I know the guy. I don't know much about him, but I know, I've know i known him when he was alive. When he, was, when he wasn't on the stuff that he liked to do, he was the kindest, sweetest man you ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of a... Pardon my French, but he's kind of a hard ass when uh, he was. And mm-hmm. I stopped to think to myself, like, why? I went to his funeral. It was a close casket because where the body was so deformed and it was possibly bloated up from the water. Right. And right. I, I, I think they maybe have investigated it or not. But that he didn't deserve to die like that. Right. Um, Believe it or not. Maybe, you know what? Maybe you do need to move. What in the hell? (laughs) My gosh, you know, too. Wow. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. The first one, I was a kind-hearted person. And I know this is probably not talking about off-topic subject, but her name was Mary Angel Rowe, mm-hmm. sweetest woman that you probably ever met. She was a diabetic. I used to hang out with her, and I will admit she did stuff that she liked to do, but I did not take no part in it. I just was there for conversation, just talk about anything and everything. Right. Um, they, uh, I think at one point in time, I saved her life. There was this one guy that she was hanging around with. Pardon my French for this next part. Fat bastard was handing her Xanax Xanax bars left and right. It was going out of style. Mm-hmm. And literally, I was sitting at her mom's apartment. She was dressed, and she went with the fat guy. Didn't know his name, but I remember, I don't forget his face. She went with him, and I got a phone call from somebody on her mom's cell phone. Somebody said, like, she was at a porch, and she was passed out. And I went and asked, I said, where is this? Where is this at? And it was behind a place called Venture Homes, and it's a little tiny, small apartment. I went up there, and the guy, they was both passed out. And I looked down at her, and I tried to pick her up, but trying to pick up dead weight is hard to do and literally the guy poured a beer on her 
And I'm like thinking, dude, why the hell did you do that? He's trying to wake her up. I said, you're doped up out of your damn skull. And I didn't know what to do, so I tried to go get her some milk because I read somewhere like milk helps them. If it's any type of liquid, it helps them throw it back up. So I went to the next nearest apartment. I didn't have a cell phone at the time, and I told him to call 911. I got judged so hard. Like people thought I did it. Right. But people want to believe what they want to believe. I was yeah. in the hospital mercy room with her. They literally had to strip her clothes and everything. And her, the guy that she was with, we got in a heated argument and made her mom rest in peace too. But I got like, I had cops. I had like employees asking me like, why, where was you? And I told them, I didn't change my story. I told them word for word what happened. She woke up and she started yelling at me. And she said, why did you do what you did? I wanted to. And I said, I'm sorry. I couldn't let that happen. And the no. nurse came in and she said, if it wasn't for this young man doing what he had to do, you would not be here. A couple of years back, she uh, I ran to her. But what the thing is, her family were the apartment. We got out. I gave her my shoes. I walked barefoot. She was in a nightgown because I tried to call her family to send her some clothes, but as soon as we got back to her apartment where her mom was at, everybody was packed the hell out. And the man was, they gave her Xanax, was laying down and told him that we, they had to talk to her about me, I guess. But I will find, I'll, I'm not one to hold grudges, but for somebody to blame me for something I didn't do, a couple of years back, we have an Apple Bay Festival. She mm-hmm. stopped me and she said, uh, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? Saving my life. And I looked at her straight up and down. I said, you're welcome. But there is no way that you could ever repay me for doing what I did for you. I mean, you've got a kid. I mean, live for that kid, you know. Right. And uh, next thing you know, I, the last time I even saw her before she went missing, was walking uh, the Veteran Memorial Bridge right beside HR Block building. Stopped her and mm-hmm. I said, hey, beautiful, how are you? And she said, doing pretty good, going to go somewhere. I said, be careful and be safe. Come to find out, not even like a week and a half or two weeks later, she was filed as a missing person. She went to an apartment. And from what the Facebook status said, her body was found laying in an alleyway beside the dentist's office. And from what I heard, people talking around town here, she went up there to get what she needed to get. And I guess she shot her diabetic medication up in her. Maybe the person that she was getting it from gave her the wrong dosage. I guess the body... They left it in one of those apartments. From what people told me, they left the body in the apartment, and I guess they left it there for several days before it started stinking. 
because one person told me that how can a dead person still have their backpack on their back, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if they got that crime solved or whatever. It broke me. It, I went to her funeral, and seeing her life cut so short like that, too, she was about the same age as me. Right. At the time. And, like, I'm thinking, what the, what in the hell, you know? Yeah. I, cr- I cried. Well, it's fine to cry. Somebody died. That's sad. And somebody you knew. But I knew there was no way it, it would. They ruled it out as suicide. Is what I think they yeah. probably. But there's more to it. It's full. It's full, basically. No one yeah. just doesn't have find a body laying in the middle of an alleyway out of the blue. You know? We had another place around here there's this one guy who literally shot his mother, his father mm-hmm. and tried to, I think it was his stepson or his son, tried to kill him, but stepson got away and this was like February of like 2016 I think or 15, mm-hmm. not really sure which the year, but went to kill his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mom and apartment complex right across from Mayo Technical College and went back to his car and turned a shotgun on himself and blew his brains out. Good boy. Yeah. There's a lot in this town that really happened. Yeah. 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 And it tends to be a story of a lot of old small towns that are dying, you know. It's part of why it's dying. It's part of why people die like that because they're hopeless. Industries like the movie industry go to those places because of that feel, the weight, that heaviness. That it's already there. So if you're trying to make a movie with that in it, all you have to do is not mess it up with the cinematography. It's already there. And you add to the lore and history of the town, it makes it even better. So I think they I'm saying, make, use it. Yeah. I think they should make a small town documentary called Darkness of Small Town. Or small town I think you should make it. You know enough town <laughs> history, I think you should. And then you should narrate it. It's That would it's, be awesome. It would. It's just, I I mean, I know where the world, I mean, I know it's not on topic, subject, what we're talking about. And I know this world, this world is going to hell in a handbag. Well, all I can say about that is if you know enough human history, we do the same thing over and over and over again. Everything is cyclical. Everything. Just go back. Every hundred years, look over. Ten-year blocks, every hundred years, we do the same stuff over and over and over and over and over. We don't learn anything. Every generation has to learn everything the past generation already went through. So it feels that way now because we're deep in it, and then it'll pass, and then we'll move over and it'll happen again another 50, 100 years. This is what we do. We find a reason to fight. Humans do that. I guess we're bored. I don't know. 
But this is what we do. And it only feels as bad as it does right now just because we're neck deep in it. And then it'll pass. It's kind of like every time there's a storm, right? Like I've been in hurricanes, like in hurricanes. And while it's happening and right after it happens, it feels like it is the end of the world and nothing's ever, ever, ever going to get better. And then it does. That, that's Thomas, how everything feels all the time. Thomas before the storm. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying make lemonade out of them lemons now. You make it. I have a feeling you'd be really good, actually. And maybe that'll be your thing. Doing dark town lore. Like small town stuff. You got it sounds right up your... I know, but that's that just means there's a lot of good content. History is important, even the negative stuff. You see what happens when we try to push down and erase the negative stuff like it never happened. We just keep repeating it. Yep, pretty much. So we bring it to light. If there are enough books, enough stories, enough shows, enough series, enough movies, we'll remember and maybe we'll stop making the same dumb mistakes, creating the same dumb problems over and over and over again. Maybe we'll be like, huh, we have done this a lot. Maybe we'll do something else now. But you, you just, you enjoy town history and the dark stuff so much, that's right up your alley. And start with your I mean, town because you know it already. I just like, I mean, I know it's none of my business and I know it's none of my concern. It's just, if it's worth looking into, why not look into it, you know? Find out, like, what happened. That's what I, I mean, a majority of what I like to do because I know it's not talking about my life expectancy, but... My birth parents was drug heads, and uh, my father passed away back in 2017 in November. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it than what people told me. They said, "Oh, I was with your dad," and this and that. I called bullcrap because I talked to a funeral director down where his last few days was at, and he was laid up in the hospital for three days. And what the funeral director told me was there was three people that came in and asked about his general assets, his money-wise and all that stuff. Now, the guy that I'm going to be looking for, I know where he's at, just ain't made my way up. He is uh, my uncle mm-hmm. on my birth family side. Okay. And Do my mom. Start with interviews. People like watching that stuff. But, um, but it's just like serial killer wise it's just I'm getting off topic and off course that's alright um, but like my uh, love for serial killers started with my cousin Steven and his ex-girlfriend Ashley they had like a big whole encyclopedia on serial killers I just found it interesting, you know, like thinking, like, what, why does people, 
it's either abuse, home neglect. Usually, it doesn't even have to invert to neglect or anything like that. It's like, oh, yeah. you could be fine and dandy and be an outstanding citizen and have a dark side of you that no one knows about except for you. Right. And just strive towards that. It just snaps. You know? Right. Like my favorite serial killers are the ones that haven't got caught. Yeah, not mine. I want I want them caught. <laughs> we don't need them roaming free. <laughs> I, my favorite, but, like I told you, my favorite was Eileen Warnos. I just thought she was born and her her very beginning from the moment she was born was hell, and it just continued into hell and it never got better and it got worse and until she ended up on death row and yes he did bad things but a lot of people do bad things and it was like she kept trying to turn things around and she kept asking for help and it was just like no one was trying to listen and I remember just being heart sick when I saw um, a documentary on her because our country does absolutely nothing to help people when it comes to like mental health, people who came up in really horrific circumstances and they need help. We don't do anything. We cut those people loose and then when they inevitably is a bane on everybody's existence, then we lock them up or we put them out of their misery and act like, well, what else could we have done? I just think that's really insane. But but then, that's not even for all of them. There are some people, we know how our justice system is here. Some people, it's like they get chance after chance after chance. They're put in jail, let out. Put, every time they get out, they kill somebody, go back to jail. And they just keep getting let out. And then there are some people, barely do anything. Death row. Death penalty. They're done. Very true. And right. it's just, it just makes it sadder. Here's the way I see it. Like, people have one life. Where you're saying about, like, how people nowadays, they come to people who can help with mental right. issues, with dark places that they go to from time to time. It's actually embedded into their mind to a point. Right. Uh, this person's coming to these people for help, and they don't want to help them until right. it's too late. Right. And yeah. the person explores their dark side so much that they explore it to an extent and see what they can get away with. And if that's how you interact with the world, but obviously we can't just allow that. But when they try to go for help and then the reaction is like, well, the resources weren't there, which means they didn't have money to pay for therapy, so no one helped them. Then the rest of us out here who don't know anything about them get to be victimized by them. And when they hurt enough people that they get thrown away in prison, that's crazy. How we do people. Yeah. There's been like, I believe honestly, nowadays, pardon my friends for this next part. No one gets a shit. Right. That's because we have our, we all have our own problems and the people who should care 
they either don't or, oh, we don't have the funding, which is true. They don't have the funding. But we got to do something. You remember that? I don't, okay, I can't remember this, this man, his name, but you might remember from the story. He was the guy who, he had mental health issues. He ran out of his medication. He went to the, the, his doctor, the pharmacy. He's like, I need my medication. I have to have my medication. If I don't have my medication, something bad's going to happen. They didn't help him. So he went to, like, a motorcycle dealership and murdered everyone. And then they arrested him, and then he was able to get, you know, get his medication in prison. Like, what? This is what we do? The, the man said he needed help or something horrible was going to happen. It wasn't a threat. It was just cause and effect. And now exactly. all these people are dead because he couldn't get a pill. That's crazy. I'm going to look that man up. So at least I can have his name because my memory is just terrible. But I'm gonna look him up so we know. And I that but that's how we do people, and we just we just dust off our hands like oh well you know oh well. And that can't just be how it is. Mm-hmm. Somehow we have to do uh, something about that. I don't know what, but something. I guess like in a way, people. This one place and uh, what was it called? Betsy Lane over towards Pikeville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I think it was not really sure on the year, but there was like these young teenagers from that high school in Betsy Lane High School. They murdered a family and uh, baby. They was at a rest stop and there's this, I guess the family was trying to help them get them a ride. And out of nowhere, like, these teenagers murdered this family. But there was a baby that did survive the whole ordeal. And that yeah. baby's full grown. And they actually got some documentaries on it, too. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a yeah. lot of them out there, a lot of serial killer stories out there, a lot of shows. And, you know, I'll binge watch because, you know, I'll get in the mood. And then I'll just be, like, to my stomach because it's mm-hmm. it's not like watching a horror movie horror movies are fake that stuff is real all those dead people are going to get up and go about their business because it was a job but when you watch a documentary when you watch that stuff that's real when I do I'll get sick and I'm just like I can't I, let me go back to watching Freddy Krueger and Jason and all them because I just can't watch any more of this right now but of course, I mean, after a little break, I'll go back and binge again. Personally, that's this is the way I was raised up. Like, you can help somebody, but people need to know that people have to help themselves. But here's the way I see it: if those people does not have the medical insurance, or there should be programs that's like free based, right? Like, person can call. Or, talk to or come in and say, you need some help with more than help. Right. Anymore. Nowadays, right. it's, it's all about the money. That's all it is. Because, yeah. believe it or not, one point in time, I really don't care if he hears this or anybody listening to this podcast while well, I'm about to say that. My, ther- my psychiatrist told me, he said, it doesn't matter to me if you 
answer the phone call or not when I call because I get paid for it anyway, regardless. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, then what's the, I was thinking inside my head, I was like, well, what's the point of you being a psychiatrist if you're just worried about it for the money? Yeah. It's bullshit. And part of psychiatry, I would think, because, you know, I have a therapist. I've gone for a long time. If you know that person doesn't actually care about you, that no. is a problem. Yeah. Like, you're not trying to get in a relationship or anything, but we no. are people. <laughs> people need to know other people care about them. When we know other people don't care about us, especially when we're struggling, that makes it worse. And and that's part of the reason why I started podcasting and streaming on Twitch and going back to YouTube is because during this pandemic, I cannot tell you how many people have DM'd me depressed on the verge of suicide. I cannot tell you. And it completely freaked me out. They felt alone. Nobody, like, nobody cared about them. They come to my page and they talk about horror, but they come to my page because I respond to all DMs that are not dick pics. <laughs> I do. And I know people do it because they're like, I'm alone. Even people who have families, they feel alone in their families. Like, Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks about me when I'm not there. I come back to this page because I know that if I comment on something, we have something in common. We care about the same things. And if I DM you, I know you'll respond and you'll remember who I am. And sometimes I come back to this page and it's all I can do to keep it together. That totally freaks me out. So I'm like, that's it. I'm going to start live streaming so people can see another person. Like, I'm right here with you. We all in this together. We're in it apart. We're just trying to survive this damn virus. We're, I'm right here. I'm, I'm as anxious as y'all are. I, am, I have social anxiety just like the rest of y'all do. I'm awkward too. I'm back here, I'm back here lurking the fade with y'all. I'm a lurker too. We, we all right here. And if we can't help each other during our darkest times, what in the hell is the point of social media? What is the no, point? I'll... What are we all doing? Right. I do truly appreciate what you are trying to do for people. I really, truly, deeply do. And uh, another, if not off topic subject, but you remember when I showed you my scars on my arms? I do. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> but you can if you like. Well, at one point in time, I was in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I was just dealing with some really bad issues, honestly. Right. And my girlfriend was point. She was with me. I don't know what drove me. It, it was my emotions get the best of me sometimes. I literally right. took my own knife and stabbed myself repeatedly in the arms going upward. I saw it. that. It was so bad, like, I literally, I didn't know what to do. And she was looking at me, and she says, what are you doing? 
and I was bleeding a lot. I literally bled all my blood. I was I was holding my both arms over the commode and bleeding, and I I was scared, you know, to a point. And she was I, there I with you. She was there. Did she call nine one one? She didn't do anything. What in the hell? That needs to be your ex girlfriend. That is terrible. It, she is an ex, actually. I t- looked at her. I did look at her. And said, "Don't tell anybody about this." She did cry. But here's the thing: even if you say that, don't tell anybody what you what I did. Still, you should call somebody. Uh, hell so, yeah! <clears throat> I was bleeding out literally, and I had got me some old t-shirts, ripped them up, and tied them, and I the feeling was. I was cold, sweating so bad, and I took me a nap, woke up, I had this one part of my left arm. It was so bad, I squeezed it, and it was a blood pocket. I probably probably could say that much. I squeezed it, and then I started slipping out of unconsciousness, and I told her to tie it up real quick, and she did, and then I just passed out on the section. And I went to my cousin. I showed him what I did. I called him and I said, can you help me? He said, I can get you help, but you ain't going to like it. Yeah. Said, okay. My sister, Jennifer, came. She started crying. My mom and my dad. And my mom looked at my ex-girlfriend and asked her, why do you call somebody? She said, I'm scared. And my mom and dad, they're old school. Christians, straight up. <laughs> my mom looked at her and said, "Oh, I'm going to love you good, honey. You just wait. I'm going to love you so good." The ambulance that came, it was so good. The first ambulance was okay. Mm-hmm. We got a hospital here. I went to the hospital, Paulby Hall. They ran tests on me and stuff like that. That's why I did it. I didn't think anybody give a shit. The doctor that was on call in the emergency room that night, there was people before me. I don't know if it was a sick joke or whatever, but there's this nurses and stuff passing by me, and people think that you're deaf, and you can't hear what they're saying. But I heard multiple people say, let's kick his ass, and let's do this, and let's do that. There was one guy that got so mad that he, he could, I could hear him punch the emergency room walls on the other side, opposite of where I was. But why? What started the whole ordeal was my anxiety levels. I thought I was being followed around. I thought I was being watched. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a cop. Like, watching me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see who it was. Like, all I was doing was trying to go to Speedway to get me something to drink. And literally, there was a cop that came pulled right around. And there was these bad people that were right at Renatool on the opposite side of me. And I just walked around. I was just picking a song on YouTube, trying to listen to it and walk at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they sped up past me when they left the pop machine. And I whipped out my hunting knife 
real quick because I was ready to go if they was going to get out of the car. When that all happened and it got to the best of me, I just lost it. But being at the hospital, the doctor, Dr. Arnold is his name, he only stapled one part of my arm. Didn't even do anything. Not even one of the nurses stitched up the left part of it. They literally looked at my arm, and I think I heard Dr. Arnold say, "What? why are we getting so much about this one patient when nobody cares about him? And they didn't even stitch up my left arm. They only did the right. And it got so bad, the second people, ambulance that picked me up, the one guy literally looked like he never missed a buffet in his life. They picked me up and put me on a stretcher with the straps on it. Strapped down. They was loose. They wasn't even firm, like firm tight. They was loose. Mm -hmm. He tried to get me to sign a paperclip board, and he tried to reach it to me. And I lied to him. He said, can you sign this for me? And I was like, no. I can't move my arms because they was trying to get a conviction. Saying, oh, he tried to pull, he pulled his arms out of the strings. He tried to kill me or this and that. Well, that's crazy. Went to Highlands Regional Medical Center, third floor suicide award. That is possibly I've been in my past. I've been to two mental institutions. Not gonna lie, I've been to two mental institutions, but I will say this much. I have enemies, but I would not wish anybody staying at Highlands Regional Medical Center in Westport, Kentucky, ARH, third floor for anybody. Yeah. It was nauseating. The whole experience drove me to a point I was, it was maddening. Yeah. Got there. Uh, they did strip search. They did the occasional bent down and cough. And I uh, only got one shower, one hot shower. That was it. How the rest was cold shower. I was there for about a, almost seven days. Oh, okay. And the usual occasional time is three. Right. That's what I thought. That's patient abuse, believe it or not. That's why I was, were you saying, like, doctors and stuff, they don't give a shit? Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. It got to a point that was so bad, but I heard like one of the nurses say something about a lawsuit. And she said, come in my room and locked herself right on my bed. And I jumped up real quick and I was like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You're supposed to be sitting in the chair. And she says, I want to talk to you. And I ran out of the room real quick. Wow. And even when I got into the showers and stuff, the cold showers, that is patient abuse. I'm full sad because cold showers constrict your blood vessels to a point. It was bad. Yeah. I heard like multiple things like people want to kick my ass. I can hear them talk. I can hear them talk. Like blaming me for stuff I didn't do. And I, any worse now, I. Really but why would they do that, though? 
Why would they blame I, you for I, things you didn't do? I do know one of the nurses. I don't know if she was deliberately taking pictures of me, but when I was taking the cold showers, she was in the bathroom and taking pictures on her phone through the is shower curtain. Is it possible that you lost so much blood that this is what you remember, but it's not something that actually happened? Kind of like a... I may, I may be a know. lot of things, but what I see and what I can feel and what I can touch, and I know it's real, it's real. Because mm-hmm. one of the nurses try to compile with me and play a board game called Scrabble. She literally mm-hmm. spelled out P-I-G. Looked at me said, that's what you are. You're a pig. Wow, that's crazy. And there was one patient, I think she was sexually abused and raped by a employee at the hospital. Well, I don't, because I can hear things, I can see things, stuff like that. Mm. And it was so bad, like, no one will believe a crazy person. They never do. They never look into it. They don't give a shit. Well, those kind I of people, they're, they're attracted to those kind of jobs, so they can't abuse people. Don't scare people off from getting help now. <laughs> but it, it makes sense. It's like, you know, perverts are attracted to anything yeah. that's got kids, anything, especially pedophiles, anything, teachers, religion, all that. They're attracted to it because they're in close proximity, and who's going to believe them? Yeah. So, but I will say this much. I started noticing things, too, in my garbage paper bag, and I swear I could it's on a stack of bottles. I swear I could have seen a condom wrapper that was in my garbage bag, and I didn't know how the hell it got there. And you know what? I mean, when you I, sent me that, when you sent me that picture of your arms, had you not told me you you've been in the hospital for a week, I was gonna contact law enforcement. I've done it before. I have a friend in New York. His wife was abusing him, starving him for over a month trying to convince him to commit suicide. It was, and I contacted authorities there and they went. I'm not one of these people who's just like, you're not going to do it or whatever. I know a lot of people on the internet looking for attention, but I take that kind of stuff seriously. So the police show up at your house and you try to look for attention. Well, that's on you because I'm being a decent citizen. Look it out for somebody who says they need help. Or maybe they don't say they need help, but I'm like, I'm here and I'm seeing a bunch of really concerning stuff, so I'm going to contact the authorities. And another thing people don't realize, too, if you know too much about a situation and you don't do anything, you are now complicit. Like, you could go to jail. Like, that girl who went, who just recently went on trial went to jail for uh, convincing her boyfriend to commit suicide. And then there was a point during the suicide he was trying to stop, get out of his vehicle because he used carbon monoxide from the tailpipe in his truck. He was trying to bail out of it, and then she convinced him to get back in there. Well, she ended up going to jail. You can't do that. If you, you, we have a duty to try to to help each other if we can, and as far as we can. 
We cannot just sit there and let it happen if we know it's happening. And we sure as hell can't try to convince them to do it. No. So you're like, it's just like, I know this is not our topic of discussion. That's all right. It got so bad. Even when I left the hospital, I thought it was going to ha- something bad was going to happen. So. Right. But like, I am going to report it to the medical board, at least because there was one nurse that was taking pills. I've been around the stuff a lot. I mean, I've not been around. I've not done it myself. By me back in the heyday, I probably did one. But I know a person when they're high on pills, and one of the registered nurses was really high because his right. eyes were bloodshot. And like I said, looks like you didn't get enough sleep. Just throw him off subject. And he right. goes, Nah, yeah, man, this and that. Because he kept, I kept looking over him. He kept covering the left side of his face where the cameras were at. Right. And that's the thing. People need to know about these hospitals that's like state owned or county owned or whatever. They're bad. They need to have cameras watched 24 7 by people that doesn't even work at the hospitals to protect their patients. Even people with emergency rooms, even in the rooms. Literally. You know, I always thought they should have like six month rotations. Like, nobody stays there longer than six months. Six months is all you get, and then some new people come in. Then nobody can get comfortable, and if there is some, you know, a bad egg in there, they get transferred out every six months. That's it. My brother, Big Mike, love him to death. He told me, if this ever happens again, he told me that there is a place in Ohio that's actually a lot better than any hospital or mental institution in the state of Kentucky that will right. literally help help me with my condition if it gets any worse. Right. But those places are just so expensive. See, that's what it always comes down to. It's expensive and who's going to pay for it? Yeah. It's just terrible. And I mean, like you said, where you thought I had a lot of blood loss and stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't even give me no blood to recalibrate my blood count because my blood count, white cell blood count, was 1,600. I overheard one of the nurses say it was 1,600 white cell count. So I basically had to regenerate my own blood. I'm just saying you absolutely could have seen and heard everything you said, but it also could have been a result of blood loss for sure. But it also could have been real. It was truly like even when I was eating lunch there, I swear I saw a baby embryo in my chicken and dumplings. I, I swear, I, it. I swear to you on that. Swear a stack of bottles because they was I trying to get you. me to eat and like they think I'm stupid is what it was. They think I'm not smart. You notice people mm-hmm. like their interactions or what they're doing on a daily basis or uh, it's a flickering gesture of like moving the glasses or moving a mask or something like that. Most of the employees on that third floor even didn't have masks. And this whole COVID thing, they don't give a shit. Yeah. 
And like I was talking to this one woman, uh, I think her name was Miranda or something like that. She literally kept gesturing her eyeglasses and moving her mask, and she didn't think I noticed. She was signaling people behind the counter. Yeah. I notice things, and people don't think I notice what's going on. I'm not stupid. Temperature of the cold water in that shower alone was at least 50 degrees. Yeah. But that's what the medical board is for. If you have a complaint, you know, you, you file a complaint, and then they they investigate, and they'll see what's what. That's all really you can do, I guess. Uh, I heard one of the employees said they was a COVID gang. And, like, every few off, every so often, they would get on their computers. But, mm-hmm. like, when one of the employees came through the double doors where they was automatically locked, they would literally try to get and go, they would go in, and the employees would look like they was acting differently and they was, like, trying to do something else. And they literally even switched all their computer systems out. Because I think somebody hacked into their computer mainframe system hmm. and done something totally off, opposite. Because I heard one of the employees, they got a room somewhere in that third floor that's full of cameras. One of the guys come out and he basically talked to his wife. He said, and I quote, he said, you did what with who? And then she starts saying, honey, honey, don't worry about it. We can do this. We can get away with this. And I'm not thinking, these mofos are more crazier than I am. Yeah. You got to be a messed up person to do what they did to their patients. Like, I even got the blame for, like, some old guy. I didn't know who the hell he was. He started saying that I deserved to be put in a mental institution facility for the rest of my life. Didn't even know. Hmm. And I'm not thinking. I know. It's like. And like I try to interact with people. But I don't talk to people I don't know. I talk to a few nurses here and there. Man. It sucks. (laughs) And you best believe believe it. I am going to call that postcard in the mail from H&R Highlands Regional Medical Center and you best believe it, I am going to call and ask them to transfer me to the, more, the medical board of directors. You got to do what you have to do. If you think something terrible is happening somewhere, you, ha- you have a duty to say something. And even right. if you're wrong, it's not like you're pointing the fingers at specific people. If no. I mean, that's part of the reason why some of our systems are so messed up. Because people don't bother saying anything because they don't think anything's going to happen. What's the point of you being a doctor or a nurse if you're going to go to school for and not willing to help people and you lose your shit, you know? I think I think what happens is you get to protect yourself. Because think about it. If you're constantly around people who's on the verge of either losing it or dying, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard. So you get used to it. Unfortunately, when you get used to it, it comes off as being very cold because it's a self protection measure. Mm-hmm. Now, 
when when other things happen where people start abusing drugs and abusing patients, that's something else. They're used to a certain environment. They're used to getting away with things, and it just escalates. That's how human beings are. That's why I'm like, that's why there needs to be like a six-month rotation so you can't get used to shit. Because by the time you get comfortable, it's time to go. Yeah. That's what happens. Think, something about human beings. I'm not, we don't keep ourselves up to a certain level by ourselves. We have, apparently have to have somebody standing over us cracking a, a whip. Yeah. It's just something about it. And, and especially when, when we are responsible for the most vulnerable of us, it gets even worse. Who cares? My cousin Stephen and my um her his ex girlfriend Ashley, they both tried cold up there, and they gave me a number and I couldn't remember it to save my life. But I'm like thinking to myself, like, you know, they tried to call, but the nurses didn't even patch them through at all. Period. Oh. And I've been with they. I will say this much. I have friends. I do. do and uh, all the friends that I have, those two have been with me thick and thin. I've known them since high school. And uh, a lot of other people, like as soon as I come back, they was mad. I had people messaging me left and right asking me, hey. That's good. You need to know people care about you. I know yeah. when you're that bad off, it's it's hard to see it. It's just a lonely place. And especially when there's somebody there with you when you're carving yourself up and she does nothing. Who cares about her tears? So what? Are you are you crazy? Me? Am I crazy? No. Is she crazy? She's watching you carve yourself up. And she's crying, but she's not going to do anything because you said don't tell anybody. That, to me, is crazy. Like, do yeah. something. Start screaming so the neighbors call nine one one. Do something. Just you she just said, gonna, like what if you died? Her her expression to my sister Jennifer when she came over was she was too scared. Is what she said. Okay, but what if you died? My blood would be on her hands. She would have sat there and watched you kill herself, and she'd probably be facing jail herself. You're supposed yep. to try to help. You're not supposed to sit there crying, talking about you were scared. And I mean... And I can't be around people like that. That's too much weakness for me. It's not been easy. The people yeah. that I used to hang out with years ago, or I've known before, I try to avert, I try to not even be around those people because we got like small town, small town time criminals here in this town. And they right. think I'm so stupid that I know what that, I don't know what they're doing, but I really do clearly know. You're used to being in the same small town and it, it usually feels that way, especially when a town is poor and dying off. And you move, you'll move to someplace better one day, and you'll see that it's just not that way everywhere. Because I live, I live in a cluster of small towns, and it's great. The people are mostly good, mostly decent. Nobody's, 
you know, it's it's not all that going on. People yeah. try to help each other and go out of their way to be helpful to each other. So it's not that way everywhere. It's just something about towns when they're not doing well. So like the town is sick and so are the people in it, right? But that's mm-hmm. what I was saying. If you change your perspective, because I've lived in towns like that too. You change your perspective and you, you, you turn it around and make it a challenge to make it positive for yourself. You know, at least until you can move on to someplace else so that it's not all bad. So something good came out of it. Yeah. It's like me during this pandemic. I've done a whole lot of things I've never done before. I've just taken it as an opportunity. I say it a lot to people who know me. I'm going to make something out of 2020. It has been terrible. But I'm going to make something good out of 2020. Come hella high water. I'm I'm just going to do it. Because you have to. Sometimes you just have to go out of your way to make that happen instead of waiting for it to just be good by itself. Sometimes, like, even when you have a bad day, you wake up. Like, I wake up and I tell myself it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day because I'm going to make it a good day. Sometimes you have to do that. You do that enough and you'll find that you have more good days than bad days. I do. I wake up in a good mood every day. I go to bed in a good mood every day no matter what happens. It's just, it's such a habit. It just happens on its own now. Try to have good days. Try to. Sometimes it's usually not a good day, but it is what it is. <laughs> but but uh, what I'm saying is you can make it a good day. Even if one good thing happens, it was a good day because they build up. This is the number one place for macabish cults, classics, and horrors. For synopsis, reviews, and news, go to macabish.com. Thank you for listening. Signing out until the next one.